0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalms 73 called I Almost Slipped.
1: Maybe you've asked the question, how do I really know that God is good. The Bible talks about the fact that there are people in Psalm 14 who walk around the earth and they're corrupt and they, they basically you know, blaspheme the name of God and, and it goes on to say there's no one good, not even one. Jesus in the New Testament said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God alone. And we look at the world sometimes and we, we might wonder, well, God, what are you up to? Because there's a lot of things that aren't good the Bible says that God will work things together for good, but what do I do when it hasn't been worked out yet? How am I to navigate such things as this? There's a whole uh, system of study, uh, you could call it a category of study in theology, called the problem of evil. Books have been written, myriads of books written, to wrestle with a real-life problem. We have a problem of evil. And people have, philosophers have, Gone after the God of the Bible in syllogisms and the like to say, if God is good, and then they follow with, how come this? Why this? If God is so good, then why this? And why that? And I'm sure that either you or someone in your life has probably raised this before. And it's a whole category. And one thing that we would say is, it's a real problem. There is evil in the world, things do happen. We know uh, the movie has just come out called The Sound of Freedom, showing a real-life story of a man who was a military man who tried to uh, go into that ugly world of sex trafficking. And you've probably heard that some are opposing the movie, and some are questioning its statistics and even its source, and they're trying to link it to a conspiracy. Why would that happen? You would think, and I was having this conversation with Pastor Shane, that if anything could unite people on various sides of aisles, it would be the exploitation of children. But we can't even get this one right without arguing and getting into petty debates? And we step back, and sometimes, you know, we hear of things that have been going on for years, and, and we say, Lord, where are you? How is it that these people get away with it? And, you know, in politics, if you follow the political world at all, you know things come out left and right. And and we're asking questions about who's actually honest anymore and where's the accountability and do politicians serve the American people anymore? And on and on and on it goes. And I want you to know that 3,000 years ago, a man named Asaph asked similar questions of his times. There's nothing new under the sun. This is the human dilemma. We're going to see the wicked, and, and oftentimes they're going to, it's going to feel like they prosper. I'm sure you saw something in the first verse that probably caught your attention. Surely God is good to Israel. And then it says, to those who are pure in heart. Oh, there is a catch. God is good, but he's good to those who are pure in heart. And you might be thinking, well, I know Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Above all things, who can know it? Whose heart could be pure? Is that even a category that one could esteem to get to or say that I am trying to strive for a pure heart? Who can ascend the, the holy hill of the Lord, Psalm 24, 4, without clean hands and a pure heart? but how do you get a pure heart? Well, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart in the famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 8, for they shall, they shall see God. David, after he fell in his sin with Bathsheba, cried, Psalm fifty one ten. create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, Psalm fifty one ten. It would appear that a pure heart is possible. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of the issues of life. So how do I do that? How do I watch over my heart? And what is a pure heart? 1 Timothy 1.5, the New Testament teaches the goal of our instruction, 1 Timothy 1.5, is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Later, in 2 Timothy two twenty one twenty two, 22 Paul wrote these words to Timothy, Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, 2 Timothy 2, 22, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Apparently, a pure heart is possible. Not a perfect heart, but a pure heart. What is a pure heart? Let me give you a marriage analogy. We all who are married in this room want to have a pure heart toward our spouse. What would that be? That would be an undivided heart, a single loyalty. Now, it doesn't mean that you're always going to feel everything 24-7 and you're always going to behave perfectly toward them, but your heart is to be single toward them. That is, they are to be, you're to be totally devoted to them. You're to have an undivided heart towards your spouse, and more than that, You're to have an undivided heart towards your God. Amen? That's what a pure heart is. It's possible to get there. Not that you would walk around and say, yeah, my heart is pure. You wouldn't believe how pure I am. No, Now you have an arrogant heart. But this is something to strive for in that you want to be authentic before the Lord and undivided. In fact, we would say it this way. You want to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If God is good to the pure in heart, how do I get there? Well, some of you may be right here, as these verses will now depict a crisis of faith. But that famous word that kind of shifts things now, verse 2, but as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. I came close to falling on my face. I enjoy the Basics Conference every year, put on by Alistair Begg and some of the colleagues of Alistair. And this last year at the Basics Conference, one of the pastors preached a message called The Fall and Rise of a Leader. And he was telling the story of Peter. Peter fell hard, and then he rose back again. And Peter's fall could be captured in really one word. And Peter's fall was pride. Remember, Peter was a leader, the, probably the leader of the apostles. He often spoke up for the Lord, but on one occasion he told Jesus, I don't care if everybody else forsakes you and runs away, I will die for you. I don't care if any, everybody else wimps out, I'm standing my ground. And in the Garden of Gethsemane on that fateful night, it was Peter who took a sword and tried to defend the Lord. Remember from the big mob that Judas brought? And he actually cut off somebody's ear, and Jesus told him, put away the sword. And Peter, you know, to his credit, at least tried to go down swinging. The Lord told him, put away the sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And Peter may have been confused, I don't know, but we know he fell hard on that night. And Jesus had warned him before the cock crows, you will deny that you even know me three times Peter went out and wept wept bitterly. And if the camera, you know, if the movie turned off right there, we would wonder what happened to Peter. But Peter rose again, and I think he learned a very important lesson. Nobody in this life is immune from stumbling. I don't care who you are. You might enjoy listening to many pastors who stand behind pulpits every week, and I will just tell you that pastors are as mortal and fallible as anybody else. So we gotta be careful who we put our trust in, amen? And I think for Asaph and for many in uh, in our culture in terms of modern things and modern struggles, uh, it would be good for us to know that we're not alone. Boyce puts it this way, it shows that Having doubts like Asaph's is not incompatible with responsible Christian living. It may have been true, as he says, that his feet had almost slipped, but they had not actually slipped, or at least they had not slipped so far as to make him forget his responsibilities as a leader of God's people. Close quote. Don't forget that the guy writing this is a worship leader in the temple, one of David's three main guys who prophesied under the uh, kingship of David. He was used by God in mighty ways. He experienced the, the power of the Holy Spirit in corporate settings. Uh, I told First Service that when my kids were growing up, our kids are growing up, um, we, we played a lot of Hillsong worship. And I would go to Christian bookstores and buy DVDs when that was the technology of the day. And the kids would... Uh, listen to Hillsong and there was a lot of amazing worship coming from Hillsong. They were like concert slash worship services that would go on for hours. And one of the lead guys, uh, Marty Sampson, in the last couple of years has denied his faith and said he's no longer a Christian. And I remember when Shane said that, that was one of the main guys. And now my kids grew up around that worship and that, I think that worship had a positive impact despite the problems that Hillsong is going through today. They had some phenomenal spirit-anointed worship. And Marty Sampson said that maybe all uh, all religions are true and maybe Christianity doesn't have the only way. And, And as far as I know, even to this moment, he's walked away from his faith. And you might ask, how could a worship leader in front of thousands of people singing, leading songs... Uh, what seemed to be the Holy Spirit moving in miraculous ways then come out and say he's not a believer anymore. Surely he had tasted the heavenly gift. Surely he had experienced the power of God. What happened? Was it a lack of good Bible teaching? A lack of apologetic knowledge? I don't know. Anything I would say to you would be conjecture. I don't know how well he knew his Bible. I don't know how grounded he was in his faith.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: If you are a long-time listener to Walk in Truth, we could use your help. We are excited to announce we have the opportunity to broadcast on a new radio station, an opportunity that will help this ministry reach more people like you in Oahu, Hawaii. Our mission with Pastor Michael's teachings is to equip listeners with God's Word in a way that helps them address today's issues, trends, and culture. But before we say yes to this opportunity, we could use your help. The price to broadcast on this radio station daily is $2,491 a month. Month. Can you partner with us to reach people in Hawaii? Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Your financial commitment of at least $20 a month would help us reach this goal. We have until the end of September to raise these funds. If you become one of the 125 new partners, you'll be part of the team bringing God's truth to more people. That means four people would have to make a commitment each day until the end of September. Would you be one of the four now? Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. Walkin' Truth. In front of thousands of people
1: singing leading songs uh, what seemed to be the holy spirit moving in miraculous ways then come out and say he's not a believer anymore surely he had tasted the heavenly gift surely he had experienced the power of god what happened was it a lack of good bible teaching a lack of apologetic knowledge i don't know Anything I would say to you would be conjecture. I don't know how well he knew his Bible. I don't know how grounded he was in his faith. But I don't have to tell you, if you're keeping tabs on anything going on in the Christian culture, that church numbers are sliding. And there's a whole movement among millennials, but not just millennials, others who are going through something called deconstruction. You say, what's that? They are deconstructing everything that they were raised with in the church morals values whether the bible is the word of god whether the god of the bible is actually the true god you name it and some people identify themselves now this way i'm a deconstructionist i no longer believe all that old stuff i was taught in church and some of the parents who have deconstructionist type children would say they they were raised in the truth of the gospel they were in church. They were receiving the Bible. We did devotions, dot, 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 dot. And Asaph says, I came close, man. Peter, if we got to interview Peter, would say, I fell. What is the solution to this dilemma? Psalm 37, 31 says, The law of his God, the righteous, is in his heart, and his steps do not slip. Psalm 66, 8, and 9 says, Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad, who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. Flip over to Psalm 121. This is a great parallel passage, and it's hinting at the solution. How do we keep from slipping? I'm going to read it from the NIV, Psalm 121. Look at verse 1. I will lift up, I lift up my eyes to the hills of the mountains. Where does my help come from? Some of you who go back to the Maranatha days, you can sing the song. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Back to Psalm 73. So what made Asaph so close to slipping? What did he see? What was going on in his generation? Well, if you look at Psalm 73.3, he'll tell us, and this is a group of kind of bummer verses, but it tells the, you could say, the bad news. He says, I was envious of the arrogant. As I saw the prosperity, literally the shalom, the well-being of the wicked. Envy was part of the problem. Now, I think if we were all honest, we might say that we've probably envied an unbeliever a time or two. Maybe a strapping, strong quarterback who has a beautiful wife who's a model. He makes bazillions of dollars a year. He's famous, interviewed, dot, 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 dot. And never, I'm sure none of you guys ever said, it'd be nice to be him for about 50 years. <laughs> No, never. And I'm sure none of you have ever watched those programs called Lifestyles of the Poor and, I mean, the Rich and Famous. Or the real TV shows of families that they follow who have a high level of dysfunction, but they have nice houses, nice clothes, they're pretty people, and boy, they strut around. Kind of like, whoa, yeah, they got it together. And envy can be a very debilitating sin. Even if you don't admit it, envy is a real struggle. Envy is a defiling sin of the heart, Jesus said. The Bible says, do not envy a man of violence, Proverbs three. 3. Do not choose any of his ways. Proverbs 23.17 says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Maybe you've heard those verses before. But it can be hard. 1 John two sixteen and 17 reads this way. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, not from the Father, but from the world. And the world, you remember, is passing away. And also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. When Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 3.3, 3, and you heard from Shane that Titus is the name of our newest grandson, and uh, he's here today, and it's cool to hold him. He's just a small little kid and so precious to look into the eyes of the child. And when I hold him, I like to say, Titus the Strong, <laughs> Titus the Honorable. You know, plant those seeds early. <laughs> but in Titus 3.3, 3, it says these words. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, Titus 3.3. 3. Now Titus, will, uh, or Paul, will go on to tell Titus of the great, great saving grace, that we were justified by grace despite how we used to be. In my early 20s, I bought a Maserati, Uh, And one of my uh, normal routines prior to becoming a Christian was to drive by my high school in my Maserati. Now, do you know why I did that? Because I was hoping that someone who knew me would see me in my Maserati. And I would play the song. My Maserati does 185. Now, just so you know, that's not a worship song. It's a self-worship song. But that's where I was at. When I went to the gym and lifted the weights, what was I trying to do? I wanted people to envy me. Wow, look at him. Look at his car. Look at... What a sad way to live, right? But that's... I have to admit, that's who I was. And I did... Much of my motivation was for accolades from man until I met the Lord and realized how silly and stupid those endeavors are.
0: You've been listening to I Almost Slipped, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalms 73. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, maybe you have a friend or a loved one who is bitter towards God. Maybe you would say, you know, Psalm 73 captures a face or two or three in my life where I watch some people, maybe even watch someone influential in your own faith journey now nowhere to be found. Man, they, 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 they're like, uh, the first half of Psalm 73, Asaph just going bummer, man. Why, why did I try to do the right thing? Why, why have I tried to be holy? And, and they jump ship. They seemingly gave up on their faith. What do you do now? Well, the hope that we have is to read the second half of the Psalm. And, uh, there's, there's an epiphany. And, and I'll tell you, I had a man tell me at the end of uh, this particular Psalm that he had a friend that had been away for some three decades after being a uh, very committed Christian. And it looked like he was on the other side, an enemy of the faith, and he came back. He came home. Man, that tells us it's never too late. If anyone strays from the truth, we're supposed to try to go get him and win him back. That's the end of the book of James. Man, it's hard to understand all the angles of this kind of stuff, but I'll just say this. Don't ever give up praying on a wayward sheep because the shepherd doesn't give up on them either. And maybe they have to hit the pig pen, if you know what I'm saying. They have to be in the mud to come to their senses, but people do. And uh, that's the hope we have. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We are capping a, a week of teaching here where we've moved from the book of Hebrews to a few Psalms of Asaph, I thought they would be a great encouragement to you as they encouraged our local fellowship here in Corona. Just recently, I preached these, felt like it was on my heart to take a break from our normal teaching. And that normal teaching, uh, we're teaching through the Gospel of Matthew here in the local fellowship. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. We're in the northern end of Corona. And we do three Sunday morning services, two in English, one in Spanish. And I teach normally the two morning services, 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. And we're moving through the incredible gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of God. Oh, man, the gospel of the kingdom. It's been so good. Hey, if you'd like to visit us, we'd love to meet you. I would love to meet you. And you can find out about the local church, Living Truth in Corona, California, Go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and you can plan a visit at walkintruth.com. Pray you have a great weekend,
0: and we'll look forward to seeing you either Sunday or Monday. God bless. Hey, just to let you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our hope is to broadcast this program on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Our ministry has grown a lot over the years, and it's thanks to our church and our listeners that have become our financial partners. Our producer, Rob Newton, went to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California recently to update the congregation on the state of walk in truth. He talked about where we are, what's new, where we'd like to go, and how you can help. If you'd like to listen to Rob Newton and Pastor Michael's short presentation, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's also on walkintruth.com. We've entitled it The State of Walk in Truth. And again, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. And join us Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalms 73 called I Almost Slipped. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.